This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Uh, this morning, uh, or this season uh, for us, as I was reminded as I drove in this morning, is a season of a lot of change. Uh, the trees are changing colors. Uh, you probably drove in and saw, you see the bright yellows and the bright reds or, uh, that were on the trees, and then the wind came last night, and most of them are now on the ground. Uh, but there is, there's a lot of changing colors in the trees and changing in our, in our world. Uh, we are anticipating uh, some things that are coming. Uh, a lot of times this part of the year, uh, we suffer from what uh, pundits call Christmas creep. And so Christmas has already started, it feels like. Uh, we are still five weeks away. For some of you, you're like, oh, yay, we still have five weeks. For some of you, you're like, oh, we have five weeks. Black Friday can't come soon enough. Like, you're just sort of anticipating, right? And But we're in this season that starts to begin for the whole of our year to begin to shift, to begin to change. And we begin to look ahead uh, to what is to come. I know that about last week, if you have XM Radio, uh, my wife always looks forward to the time of year where XM Channel 17 turns to the holly. Some of you are like, yay. <laughs> That's when Christmas music starts officially uh, for this season. Uh, 101.5 started their Christmas music, I think, on Friday. And so many of you are driving in your cars and you're hearing uh, the sounds of Christmas. Uh, that when that happens in our car, we, our kids love it. Uh, they're excited for it. Uh, when the chipmunks start singing, we turn it off quickly. But that's the season that we're in. And so we are preparing and looking forward to that. And as a church, we're doing the same. This Sunday for us is Christ the King Sunday in our liturgical year. It is a sort of a New Year's Eve for us as a church. It is a, a time when uh, we sort of can look back on the year that has come before us and start to look ahead. If, Mary, pull the picture back up, if you would. And the image on your bulletin, if you have your bulletin, you can pull it out, or you can see on the screen, is intended to reflect uh, what Christ the King Sunday is for us as a church. Uh, what you'll see is you see... Uh, the tension that we live in, uh, this tension between Christ the King, uh, the one who sits on a throne, uh, who is coming to sort of reign over God's kingdom, uh, who offers authority over all of the earth and all of the kingdom of God, and yet also Christ the King who gave his life for us, who hung on a cross. You see the markings on the hands and his feet of where Christ hung on a cross, who offered his life for us, who conquered sin and death and set us free uh, from those things that hold us, that entangle us, so that we might be God's people. And so that's the place we sit in this part of our liturgical year. Uh, next week is, uh, begins Advent. In fact, we will begin Advent tonight. And so if you have the, on the back of your bulletin, you'll see sort of what our Advent season looks like as a church. And Advent is sort of the beginning of our Christian year. It's the time where we look toward the promise that comes in the baby Jesus where God chooses and God loves us so much that he breaks into this world as a child, miraculously, and then that child grows and lives the life that ultimately leads to the death and the resurrection of Christ. So we anticipate that. And for four weeks, that's the season we'll come. And so for the next four Sundays, that's what we'll be doing. We'll be expecting Christmas. And we sort of sit in this time of waiting, you know, of waiting for the good news that will come, of waiting for the birth of Christ, of waiting for that truth that will change history. So that's where we're headed. But we are trying not to get there quite yet. We're trying not to, to hold this off just long enough that we can sort of hang in this New Year's place where we can look back at the, at the promises of God. We can look back at the way God has been faithful. We can look back and reflect on how God has led us and prepared us and look forward to the promises uh, that will ultimately come. Uh, scholars often call this tension 
uh, in the kingdom of God, a tension between the already and the not yet. They said the kingdom of God is really a kingdom that in many ways has already been fulfilled. We've already seen God's promises take place in October in our church family. We look back and we re-examine and rediscovered the story of Exodus. We preached in Deuteronomy about how God set God's people free from slavery in Egypt, led them through the wilderness and the promised land, and then through Moses, ultimately across. He, Moses stayed, but led the people across into the promised land, into to that space where they might be nurtured as God's people in that new place. And we remember that God was faithful then. And across time, even the last couple of weeks, as we've preached politics, and talked about the politics and, and faith in, in Jesus, and how for thousands of years, across thousands of leaders and empires and kingdoms, across different kings and princes and uh, 44 presidents, God has been faithful. God has still been here with us and among us and been our foundation and our truth. And then we begin to look ahead, and so we know that's already been true. We look ahead and we know that even through a 45th president and beyond, we trust and know that God will still be faithful. And so this is the tension we live in, and the, the already, the realized, the promises that we know, the truth that we hold on to, and the not yet, that which is to come. And that's really what Christ the King Sunday is all about. It's the truth is God as King that was given to us as a baby, a king that sits in a manger, a king that hangs on a cross, and a king that ultimately will sit on a throne. And so that's where we find ourselves this Sunday. And so what we're going to do today is actually hang out in Luke chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to turn with me to Luke 1. And Luke 1 is one of those places where we see this tension between the already and the not yet, one of these in-between times. This time is where we see what's happening as we look at God's promises and trust them, but also anticipate what is to come. And this is where we are in this chapter. And we'll probably come back to this chapter over and over again throughout Advent, and so I just know that is coming. But where we are is the angel Gabriel has come to Mary and has already promised to Mary that there would be a time where she would become pregnant and that she would give birth to the Son of God. And Mary reacts with first great fear because that news would cause great fear in any of us. And then she responds with great joy. And you hear Mary's song in that, where she responds to God and celebrates what God has done and what God is going to do. The angel Gabriel also comes to Mary's cousin. And if you know the story, her cousin's name is Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth's husband is Zechariah. And the angel Gabriel comes and says, you too will give birth to a son. And your son will be the one who will pave a way for Lord Jesus, for his cousin. And teach people who is to come. Give them language in which to anticipate this coming king. And Elizabeth gave great joy. She was excited. Zechariah, her husband, looked at the angel and said, You're crazy. I think that's what it says in Ricky's Bible. (laughs) And he says, There's no way. We're old. We can't give birth to another kid, let alone raise them, right? And Gabriel looks at him, and earlier in chapter 1, he says, Well, if... Because you don't believe, it will come true. Because you don't believe for this next season of life, for these next nine months, you will not be able to speak. You'll be mute. Now, my wife has given birth to two children. She wishes this had come true for me. She wishes for those nine months that I had not had the gift of speaking. I learned very quickly when your wife is pregnant that there are jokes that are no longer funny. Uh, There are comments you make that are no longer helpful. And for Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were given this gift by God where he really couldn't say anything. 
which means he had lots less trouble, lots less opportunities to get in trouble than I ever did. But that's where we are, and that's what's happening in this, in this story. And so we get to the passage we're going to read this morning, and what's happened is uh, Elizabeth has given birth to their son. All of the neighbors have gathered around, and they want to know what his name is. That, that's the secret, right? They want to know, you know what, what's the name of this child going to be. And they begin to try to name him. They say, Elizabeth, you should name him this or name him that. They want him to name him Zechariah after his daddy. And Zechariah comes in, still not able to speak, and he asks for a tablet, and he pulls it over, and he writes the name on it. It says, his name will be John. And when he did, it says, the Lord knew that he trusted him, and he f- opened his mouth and freed his lips to speak. And the words we're going to hear this morning from Luke chapter 1 are the first words he says uh, when he sees his son. Hear this from Luke's gospel. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he spoke this prophecy. He said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that we swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, talking to John, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I remember uh, the day that both of my children were born very vividly. I also remember the day that we found out we were pregnant for the first time. And in both cases, I remember a mix of emotions sort of filling me up as a father-to-be. Some of that emotion was excitement. I was excited for what was ahead. Uh, Some of it was relief. Uh, Some of it was uh, just sheer fear. And I know that, and I, and I wrestled with that, and, I, and I'm reminded that a lot of that beca- came because I simply did not know what was ahead of me. I did not know what the next several years would bring. I did not know uh, the many times that uh, my children, even from a young age, even from as old as Emma, would make me smile and light up. I did not remember, I did not know the many times that we would have to walk into a three-year-old's room and remind them that they're just simply not being rational it doesn't work, by the way. We, we tried it often. I did not know the times I would have to go to the hospital and be there when uh, our children received stitches or repairs for a broken arm. Uh, when, my, when my son was, was four, we, I was there when he received his first stitches. Uh, I did not know then or before that what it meant to pass out as a person. <laughs> my son will still tell the story, and as a four-year-old, he told everybody, how'd it go? Daddy fell down. (laughs) We cannot anticipate all the times that we'll have to hold our children when they're crying or they feel alone and remind them that they are loved. 
that they are not alone. Well, don't anticipate or know the many times we have to come alongside and help them through times and experiences that we ourselves don't fully comprehend. There's so much that we don't know. As a parent-to-be, we live in this unknown, and, and in that unknown, that is what bubbles up in us, all of this emotion, all of these feelings, all of these anticipated experiences that, that we can't fully know until we begin to live them and to experience them. And we trust all along that there are people who will walk with us, that our folks will teach us that, that our parents uh, were, you know, raised us to this point, and that's good. I mean, like, that's okay, right? I mean, I know my parents now, and I now realize what I didn't know then was that they also had no idea what they were doing, uh, and I turned out mostly okay. So, like, that's encouraging. But we just don't know. And that unknown fosters in us all of this experience and all of these, these feelings and all of these hopes and dreams. And I think sometimes as I look at our community now, as I look at our country now, I think for many of us, we also sit in a place of unknown. We sit in a place where we don't know what the future is going to hold. You know, as we shared over the last couple of weeks, and we felt like this sermon would be a good link between the sermon series we just finished on faith and politics and the sermon series as to come on Advent. But we have experienced a new election, a newly elected president. And to be honest, uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the next four years. We might have some ideas or some guesses, but we really, really don't know. We don't know what January will bring or February or March for that matter or on and on. And just like as you anticipate a new child, uh, some of us, as we experience the unknown, we recognize that that unknown brings in us many of those same emotions. For some of us, we, we have a great hope for what is to come. We hope that as we've prayed the last several weeks, that either because of or in spite of our newly elected president, we will see God's reign, God's kingdom come in new ways. We, for some of us, we have a great fear. We fear what we don't know. And so we also have a fear of, of what will come, and, and not knowing what will come, we, we begin to tell stories and, and imagine things that might come that, that scare us. For many of us, we're also just confused. We don't know what to do with all these emotions. And so we sit in this in-between time, this, this time between the election and the inauguration, and, and we wait sort of with anticipation of, of what might be next. And again, we just simply don't know. I learned a new word this week. Uh, the word is called uh, interregnum. Some of you, if you study political science, know this word, or if you're just smarter than me, you just know, know this word already. Uh, interregnum is a, a, a word that means, uh, in government specifically, a time in between. A time in between an election and an inauguration where there has been a change that you know is coming, but it's not fully been realized yet. And then that's the, the season we're in. We just call it a presidential transition. Uh, it's easier. It makes sense. We don't have to learn new words. That's good for most of us, right? But that's what it's, that's what it's called, and that's, that's the season we're in. We're in this in-between time. Now, it's a relatively short time for us. But in many ways, that's also the time we live in as we celebrate Christ the King Sunday. We live in sort of a, an eternal or a, a, long, a long interregnum. We live in a time of transition, a time between a promise that was realized as we see the picture of Christ, a promise that was realized on a cross, where the king, the one who come, came to save us, gave his life for us to set us free from death, from sin, and then was raised again to sit at the right hand of the Father. And we are now waiting in this time of transition, the time that will come when all of God's promises are fully realized. 
and that we fully see the kingdom of God. And so we sit and we wait. And my concern is that if we're not careful, what happens in that interregnum, in that transition, in that time in between, is that we still experience a lot of those same emotions, a lot of those same feelings. And if we're not careful, we let those things paralyze us. And rather than do something in that in between, we simply sit and wait. And we just live our lives, and we just move along day after day after day without anything that reflects what it means to be the people of God. But the the invitation and the call, I believe, is instead of just simply waiting, that we are called to be a people who do something in the midst of this transition, in the midst of this gap between kingdoms. That we are called to be a people like John who take action, who live a certain way that point people toward the coming kingdom. What Zechariah proclaimed, what he prophesied in in chapter 1 about John specifically in verse 76, he says this, And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. But this is what you'll do. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. You will offer knowledge of salvation to his people. You will offer forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, you will share that the dawn from on high will break upon us. In some translations, it says that there will be a daybreak. There will be a a new dawn, a new coming, where the sun will rise and break into the darkness. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. That was John's task. John also sat in between. He sat in between the promise God made to his parents and to Mary and the full realization of of Jesus' kingdom here on earth. I said, John had a task. In Mark, in chapter 1, Mark describes it this way. It says, The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. And so John the baptizer, or John the Baptist, appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance literally meaning to turn away from evil, to turn away from the things that separate us from God and toward, toward God. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. And I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. So I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is what John did. John lived a life that pointed toward Christ. John lived a life where he went out and he lived a life that looked different than his culture. He looked back at the people and invited them to join him and said, this is the message. You are to turn away from the things that keep us from God and toward, toward a new life, a new life that looks different where you behave differently, you act differently, you, you point towards the kingdom of God. That is our message. And I think our church's call is the same. That's what we're to do in this in-between period. That's what we're to do, not just in between the election and the inauguration, but between the cross and the coming kingdom. We're to be a people who live our lives in such a way, as I often say to benediction, when people see us, they might see Jesus. Well, this week... Uh, at our weekly staff devotionals, I shared with our team a word from Colossians. 
And I think Paul, as he writes to the church, was saying very much the same thing. And he looks at them and he says, you know, you guys are now connected to Christ. And because you're connected to Christ, your life should look differently. And this is what he says. And I'm going to close uh, with this this morning. Paul looks at the church and he writes this. He says, you know, as Christ's people, I invite you to put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. For these are the ways you also once lived when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things. You get rid of anger and wrath and malice, slander and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. But Christ is all and in all. So as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I think that's our invitation. We are to be a people who rest on the foundation that is Christ on the cross, rest on the foundation on the one who gave his life for us to set us free from sin and from death, to set us free from all of those things, from anger and malice and slander and lies, to set us free from a life where we condemn the other and turn us to a place where there is no longer Jew nor Greek, where we are all called to be God's people, where our lives are marked with compassion and humility and meekness and kindness, where we are a people where it might be said true of us that love conquers hate, that light conquers darkness, and that we are a people who, like John, pointed to the one who will come to guide us all to a place of peace. That's our invitation. That's my hope for us as a church, that as we do leave this place, that we would be so transformed by God's Holy Spirit that we might live lives where people see us, that they might see Jesus. I'm going to pray for us this morning and then uh, offer a benediction as we, we head out from this place. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you. We thank you that in times of turmoil and unknown, times that are high in emotion and anticipation of what is to come, in times where we can't predict what will be next, that in those times, your kingdom still reigns. We thank you for the love of your son Jesus who came into this world as a baby, 
who broke in and, and you offered your life for us, who set aside all the privilege and powers of what it meant to be God and, and it gave himself as a sacrifice on our behalf to set us free from sin, to conquer death, and to point toward an eternal truth and hope. And we give you thanks for the kingdom that will come, the kingdom where Christ will once again reign on the throne, where Christ will once again proclaim uh, that, that all things will kneel and all things will fall under his authority, where we might be a people who reflect in our very lives the truth of your gospel. Lord, help us to be that people this day and always. Amen.